Welcome back to the Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. Look, in every episode, we do a brief overview of what went down on the show, a little bit of a three-word episode review to set the stage. We take a look at what happened on the pitch, off the pitch, the main theme of the episode, and we take you through a little bit of pub trivia and finally crown, at the end of it all, a winner-winner football dinner. It's you. What we do. So today we're covering season one, episode seven, Make Rebecca Great Again. While episode six was all about team building in the beginning of the Jamie Tart redemption story, uh, this episode doubles down on the drama. I think if you were to pull most Ted Lasso fans, this episode would easily be in their top three if this season, if not a solid number one. So it's an extraordinary 32 minutes of TV. Nick, we got a request. Yep. If you also want to be extraordinary, you can uh, engage with us on social media at Pod Underdogs on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever kind of floats your boat there. Uh, we're, you know, the pub trivia is a, a good spot to to go in and uh, and put your own observations in that I might have missed. So so go ahead and do that. So without further delay, get your best karaoke song in the queue and let's head down to not the Nelson Road Stadium. We are away in Liverpool for an episode of Ted Lasso that we won't soon forget. And as always, let's kick it off with a three-word episode review. Gentlemen, this had a lot of options. I'm excited to see where you go. Dan, lay it on me. Went with not to marry sign. You're going to have to uh, explain. That's too yeah. deep. Yeah, way too deep. Yeah, the the Liverpool area known as uh, Merseyside. Mersey. Uh, Merseyside, Dan. Merseyside. It's uh, famously the Merseyside Dar- Derby is Everton and Liverpool when they play one another. And so uh, just trying to add a little bit of the football end of it to the my rather three-word episode review. Again, very deep, very complex. Well done. Nick, over to you. Easy. Confronting your demons. This is basically a a episode about that uh, and and not running away from, from your issues. Yeah. Well, as always, left to provide the brevity and the levity, I said no happy endings. No. No. No, nope. maybe one, but you know, for the most part, no. <laughs> so uh, let's kick it off with on the pitch, aka the football stuff. We resume our story a couple of weeks after Jamie has been sent back to Man City, aka recalled uh, from his loan. Uh, the mood in the camp was not good, and we soon find out why Richmond haven't won at Everton, who they're playing this weekend. In 60 years, even Beard, like, doing a spit take on this one, uh, not realizing how bad it was. Uh, it was an away day that uh, many Richmond supporters hated, did not look forward to it. So Sam, even Sam Obisanya, is sad about it. That's how you know it's a big deal. So as in episode 6, we introduce a new character. Uh, in episode 7, we learned that O'Brien, the team's starting goalkeeper, has torn his butt. So we get to meet his replacement, Zara, Zaru, Zora. You gotta I do don't know what motion. I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Ted line there. Yeah, this is again, you know, two episodes in a row. This deep into a season, it, it feels rare, Dan, to get uh, two new entrants. We'll get a third later uh, in in the off the pitch stuff as well. But uh, nice to nice to get our friend Zoro into the mix. 
All right, new player in. Uh, love a goalkeeper. We'll see how everything goes. Uh, but we do get to learn a little bit more about the team's recent form as Ted has a chat with a couple of journalists. The team is struggling. They've lost one, drawn one, and haven't scored any goals since the departure of Jamie Tart. Uh, and we get a good quote, per usual, Nick, from Mr. Lasso himself. And uh, he just shed some honest light on the situation. Yeah, he said, well, if I'm being honest, it uh, it breaks my heart a little. I think one of the neatest things about being a coach is the connection you get to make with your players. That's a loss that hits me a lot harder and is going to stay with me a lot longer than anything that happens play, playing a game on a, a patch of grass. And this, Dan, pretty much follows... Ted's interview with Trent Krim, right? He he's espousing the same things to basically every journalist, just so they know that he's not messing around about this. Yeah, it's uh, clearly a tough part, and the English media is not very kind when the run of form. So when we talk about a loss and a draw, you know, the run of form being a uh, on the poor side. Uh, the news headlines tend to be things like, you know, again, uh, that Keeley had the whole kind of rhyming scheme previously, but, you know, uh, lasso lopsided, uh, you know, something that loser. probably would happen. Yeah. <laughs> L- loser lasso, uh, you know, on the hot seat, something of that nature. Like, it's, it's not it's not a good moment for Ted in the, with the way that this is framed out. All right, so before departing to Liverpool, you know, quick uh, quick stop. We had to uh, rescue Nate from the cargo hold of the bus, get him back up top, which is uh, good for him, uh, because Nate is in charge of helping the players settle in to the hotel. Uh, some ground rules, which clearly, Dan, um, some shenanigans have gone down before. Well, you know, we, uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's funny that the Nate has to remind them that like the hotel furniture has to stay in the rooms and uh, cannot go into the hallway or pool as uh, areas that uh, furniture does not not make sense to put those. You know, I understand it potentially making it out into the hallway pool. I want to hear the story. OK, I want to hear the story of how it made it into the pool. Well, and most importantly, Nick, no shipping it to your home. <laughs> Or other hotels. Like that is the other hotels is my favorite part of the whole thing. I just think that is so funny. It's so clear that uh, there is one particular culprit as they pan the camera along the line of players where where a little sheepish grin comes up. Perhaps we we will get stuck into who that is in our trivia later on. So stay tuned. So after quickly choosing a uh, movie night as a group uh, instead of a pillow fight as their team bonding activity uh, to Ted's displeasure. The team settles in to watch one of Dan's favorite movies of all time, The Iron Giant, as we see in your background there. Great choice. Great choice of a film. Great story. Uh, look, you know, just uh, no notes. Great, great decision. Dan, tell the people who haven't seen The Iron Giant like myself about what the movie is uh, is really framed. You haven't about. seen The Iron Giant? No, no, I haven't. What? I'm sorry. Oh, I'd, my gosh. I'm typically better than this, but I, I a cannot A story of... It. of Love and loss, uh, a story of maturing, coming into the the harsh world of what it means to to be an adult and have responsibility, the care for one another. There's a lot in there, you know. I think that uh, you know you need to take a note from Ted here and uh, pick up uh, pick up the Iron Giant as a movie to watch. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, Well, during the movie, see a little nod to Isaac showing some leadership that Roy takes note of. Uh, Ted and Beer talk tactics with Nate. They think that Richmond matches up perfectly with Everton and that they can sneak the win, which would be huge. I think they said 
Uh, Richmond were in 18th and Everton were in 8th. Uh, something to the effect of they are on opposite ends of the table. Uh, Ted asked Nate what they should tell the team in pre-match speech, which prompts Nate to panic and leave. He still doesn't quite believe in himself, and that's just kind of his um, his go-to move, right? Like when he feels a certain way, he just... He runs as far away from the spotlight, I think, as possible in those situations, Nick. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is uh, he, he does his own little soliloquy about, you know, what what would happen if he says the wrong thing to Ted in his own head and basically that he gets fired and that everyone makes fun of him and then he has to move back in with his parents and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's clear, you know, while the work that Ted is doing is working, it's not all sunshine and rainbows on the, on the pathway to progress you know he's, he's still he still has his shields up a, a little bit yeah well dan soon after that ted leaves uh beard to cry it out with the team so that he can go look for a fax machine and get this divorce papers back uh you know got the call asking for uh that to be returned as soon as he can um and after a hilarious search with the concierge which again like kudos to that person, like even a little exchange, they make fun and lively, which I thought again was, was really, really good. Uh, he happens to meet Sassy who we met earlier in the episode, um, teases him about time travel and his fax machine of 1997. <laughs> 100% should get teased for this. Look, the dude has an iPhone. He has an ability to do the photo to PDF conversion of that information and send it across that way. But he's choosing to do the facts. And, and maybe it's more about the symbolism of the difficulty of putting together a fax from doing the PDF scenario. But uh, Ted, uh, Ted's comment about uh, he's telling himself to go back and buy Apple stock. And, um, <laughs> and then Sassy ta- says, uh, can you tell me to murder J.K. Rowling and write the first Harry Potter book as well? Um, and I'll probably write handle instead of murder, Ted says, uh, so there's no paper trail. Smart man. Always thinking that, Ted. But, uh, but you guys have now uh, learned about Dan's real passion here, and that is uh, uh, Apple-related technology hacks. Uh, that is that is where Dan lives, eats, and breathes. So if you ever have a question, Dan's our tech support on our side. Yeah, so obviously fun. Next scene, not so much. Uh, Ted, clearly disheveled, clearly been drinking, just in a bad mood, bad mood while looking over the divorce papers because he couldn't kind of like send them off and just be done with it. He had to take them back with himself. Um he, he doesn't want to sign them. It's just eating him up. Unfortunately, Nate catches the, the wrong end of this um, as he tries to shove his team thoughts under the door. Uh, Ted catches him, uh, opens the door, yells at him, berates him. Um, you know, just really, really out of character for him. I mean, when's the last time we saw his hair down in front of his face? I mean, never. It's perfectly quaffed. Passed out, didn't sign the papers. Like he turned on the TV again. You get to see the Keeley <laughs> auto play on there, and and he's out. Like he's in a tough, tough position right now. Yeah, I mean, this is where you you start to see the spiral, right? Because you know he he said in in episode five he doesn't quit things. Now he's being forced to quit something legally, uh, Dan, uh, which. I think sends him into a tailspin that he he doesn't really recover from in this episode. We'll get into to why in a little bit. Yeah, definitely on a downslope, as it were, in terms of his ability to handle what is a increasingly difficult situation, both with the footballing end of it uh, and his 
personal life, absolutely. The, the barrier is gone, right? He is spilling out fully into the other side of it all. Um, right. Well, uh, the next day we see a clearly dejected team getting ready for the match. We learned the last time that Richmond won Everton. Elvis Presley's It's Now or Never was number one song on the charts. Love the the context right there, the relevancy. A not-so-subtle hint at where the team are right now. Clearly, they uh, looked back at the charts and, and mapped when they last won to something good like that. So, again, A for effort on the details here. Uh, but there's some business to handle first. Ted, hungover, promptly apologizes to Nate after berating him. Ted loved Nate's thoughts on the team, actually. So much so that... He wants Nate to tell them because because Nate even goes, well, you can't tell them these things. He goes, you're right. You're going to tell them. <laughs> and Nate can't run away. Uh, Ted said, no, 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 you got it. This will be good. And uh, I mean, Dan. Roast, right? I was not ready for what Nate was going to say. Can I quickly interject? Uh, when I went skydiving. Uh, and when you're in the plane and you don't have any other way out but to jump out of the plane, like they don't let you land with the plane, uh, my, the guy who is my guide, uh, as soon as we approached the the window of the plane, was like, no, don't worry, it's going to be fun. And this was before Ted Lasso came out. And I was like, fun? What are you talking about? Then he was like, hey, do you want to flip out of the plane? And I was like, no, absolutely not. I want to fall as quickly as possible to the ground where where I'm safe. And we flipped out of the plane twice. Uh Sometimes you just have to force uh, someone to get out of their comfort zone. And this, Dan, is is one of those scenarios. So I just wanted to call that out as like it, Ted is really good at putting people in a pressure cooker in uh, scenarios where there isn't a whole lot of stakes involved. Right. Yeah, we've seen the players get their opportunity to be pushed. And this is really the first time that Nate gets pushed in a similar way. Like he's been involved. He's had an opportunity to be a participant in the coaching experience. So to progress from, you know, individual who's helping uh, a kit man who is, you know, making sure that the laundry gets done to delivering the tactical plan is quite the rise for him during this point in time. And, uh, Brandon, uh, you know, he just like he uncorks on everyone, yeah, um, which is like the it's amazing. <laughs> Nate, Nate's been bottling up a little bit, um, uh, and I say a little bit, a lot. I thought we were gonna get like overlaps again, you know, dummy run some tart with Sam coming in the backside. No, this was or like a or like a Rocky inspirational moment. No, going after Isaac, going after everybody, even Sam, who's, you know, the most likable guy. Uh, but he gets to Roy and uh, I, this was so, so good. Roy stands up and says and he walks right up to him, you know, because <laughs> at this point, um, Nate's feeling himself. You could tell the confidence is building. So he's delivering more zingers. He like whips around and goes, oh, you're laughing. What about this? And then he goes and Roy and everyone just stops. And he stands up and Nate, well, so first of all, Roy grabs the papers out of his hands, throws it. No, he goes, look me in the face and say it. And Nate got quiet. His stutter came back and says, the great Roy Kent, you're old now and slow and your focus drifts, but your speed and your smarts were never what made you who you are. It's your anger. That's your superpower. That's what made you one of the best midfielders in the history of this league but I haven't seen it on the pitch at all this season, Roy. I mean, you used to run like you were angry at the grass. You'd kick the ball like you'd caught it effing your wife for Ari's sake. But the anger doesn't come out anymore when you play. 
it's still in there, and I'm afraid of what it is going to do to you if you just keep it all for yourself. Holy Ted Lasso, ending to that rant, my word. Yeah, th- I mean, first of all, uh, you used to run like you were angry at the grass and you kicked the ball like you caught a fucking wife. That's such an unbelievable line. Uh, <laughs> uh, but But the room gets silent because I think he says what a lot of people are thinking about Roy Dan at this point. And Roy then goes over in the silence and rips a bench from the studs in the shitty little locker room in Everton that they're in. And everybody's pumped up at that point. Like it's, it's very clear that this worked. Uh, My favorite part of this scene is that Ted, the, the, the camera pans over to Ted and it's like, the plan worked like this is exactly how I saw this going. And he didn't have to do a thing, (laughs) which is good because he had a lot of personal stuff going on. So this was a good outsourcing of responsibility to somebody else. But the uh, look, uh, you know, it sets the foundation for, you know, a a really incredible win, you know, a historic win. Um, One nil to the mighty, Greyhounds, as it were, in terms of their ability to pull it off against Everton, the Toffees. So uh, nice, nice to see that there's a little spark of inspiration that occurs and uh, the fact that they uh, they get the dump. Yeah. Yeah. Goal from Roy Kent as well, Brandon, uh, you know, which is, you know, I think, a little on the on the cheesier side for, for me personally. But I, I love the celebration in the locker room. Like it, it's such a it, we haven't seen a whole lot of joy <laughs> like unconfined joy in the show from the team as a unit and they're clearly fired up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I couldn't have written it better myself. Right. Um, it, you know, the, the team is joyous celebrating in the Everton away locker room, which are always the most bland locker rooms. It's literally four walls and, you know, a couple benches. And then Roy gives a massive speech with Keeley's help and they're going to karaoke. So funny. You know, he pulls her up on the bench too and she gives her autoplay, you know, hotel advert speech to the group, which is funny because she hates it. It's cringe, uh, but she's playing into it. And of course, all the players know because they probably watched her on their TV screen uh, the entire night after the movie. So uh, very, very good to go. Uh, and that was just all on the pitch, right? Like, so we're going to take our ad break and we get back. We have everything that happened off the pitch, which was equally as exciting. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll uh, be right back. All right. Well, off the pitch, AK, the workplace stuff. Uh, I, this obviously is not chronological order. There's going to be some yeah. back and forth, which is probably good to remind you. So uh, we second sectioned it off this way throughout all of the seasons just for ease. But remind you, Ted opens the episode, FaceTiming with Henry, um, Arthur Bryant's barbecue is his background, which, you know, Nick will obviously appreciate as a Kansas City uh, resident. That's right. Arthur Bryant's is good. There is better barbecue. Come on to Kansas City and uh, and I'll give you a list. Uh, It's funny. Uh, He's uh, adorably doesn't realize that the Beatles aren't a touring band anymore. Poor Henry. Uh, But then he passes the phone to Ten's soon to be ex-wife that we kind of touched on earlier, obviously, with the divorce papers. Michelle reminds Ted to sign the papers and the mood immediately sours, which obviously, because that sucks. Um, so boom, quick, done, move on, right? Uh, then we get a quick cut to Rebecca, who got an email reminder that it would be her wedding anniversary with Rupert had he not been a giant piece of shit. She's down in the dumps, but her spirits are lifted as soon as Keely comes in and makes a couple of jokes and sexual innuendos, which who doesn't appreciate that? A good lift, Nick, well-timed. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Keeley is not going to let a trip away to Liverpool uh, down down this one. No, no. I mean, Keeley makes a short list of people you want around when you're in a bad mood. She she's just uh, enough of a personality to to comfort and also to lift Dan. And you know, I think in a difficult emotional moment, this is very much the the right person for for the job. Yeah, again, we, we saw it in the last episode. We've seen it throughout the season. Keely and Rebecca continue to grow closer with one another and, you know, developing that bond that allows them to find a little joy in terrible situations uh, absolutely is what what happens here. All right. Well, uh, always love a wing woman or wing man. Uh, but stemming from his actions to help Ted reverse the curse in episode six... Rebecca punished Higgins by making him work the weekend and miss the match way to Everton. Kind of the dark side of Rebecca coming back out. Mm-hmm. She um, kind of evilishly let him know he would not be going on the trip, um, which he took in stride. But it just kind of reminds you that she has that side in her. So after arriving at the presidential suite of the hotel, Rebecca realized that this is where she and Rupert stayed and has a mini breakdown, understandably. But again, Keely rescues her with some quick wit and a big old bear hug. She even says, like, this is a really long hug. <laughs> like, not not an emotionally connected or physically uh, welcoming person, old Rebecca, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, but as the, the punches keep rolling in, Keely has her own mini breakdown when she sees herself on an infomercial that she doesn't even remember doing. Again, it's that hotel auto-programmed. Uh, what can you do in Liverpool while you're here? Don't worry. Rebecca's there to get her back, reassured her, uh, and it was good. And they're going to get dressed, get drunk, and leave the past in the past before, uh, well, another new character enters the show. So uh, we get to see kind of the back and forth, the the friendship that is very strong. Clearly, there's reciprocation between the two. Um, but what I think is kind of surprising is that we don't even – get a heads up or maybe Keely doesn't get a heads up that uh it's not just them for the weekend sassy or flow uh rebecca's best friend from forever ago uh is around and they're gonna be hanging out the troublesome trio uh and again if so she again opens up nick she's neglected her best friend and her daughter while she was with Rupert, her just she just kind of got swept up in the relationship and forgot to keep her own. Yeah, it happens, man. Uh, you know, the, the there there are some difficult moments in friendships, but uh, I I think Dan uh, Sassy is a incredibly welcome character. She's one of my favorite characters in the show because she provides extra levity, and you know we we learn that she's a child psychologist, so she has a little bit of extra. Uh, EQ as well uh, to to bring to this episode that's full of moments where you need someone with a high EQ uh, to to help bail you out of a situation. Yeah, definitely a welcome addition. Good to also see that Rebecca has a life outside of being disappointed in the way that her life is going at the moment with regards to trying to destroy a football club as like primary activity number one. And so learning a little bit more about her past, her relationships outside of the general sphere, which was Higgins, Rupert, and the relationships kind of within the football club is a really nice expansion of her character through the character of uh, of Flo or Sassy. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and, and then just like the back and forth stuff is so funny with them. But uh, over dinner, a bunch of laughs, Sloan Keeley try to hook up Rebecca with their waiter at the steakhouse, which uh, is good fun because uh, Sassy um, just doesn't hold back, right? She just is not nuanced. There's no um, level of maybe being savvy or, or plays. She's just blunt, brutal, and right to the punchline, Nick. Everyone has this friend in their friend group, the instigator. Like, this is the instigator. Uh, Flo... Uh, or sassy, however you prefer, uh, will be the one to walk into a room and just start sh stirring shit up out of nowhere because that is how they find fun in this world. And, you know, you need this person in a friend group, especially if things are a little bit subdued or or maybe you aren't having as much fun as you could have. You need someone who's going to stir some shit up. And I think that's what made this episode so fun because, you know, despite the heavy emotional toll that you're going to go through you also have these like big moments of levity mixed in uh, because she's not afraid to stir shit up mm -hmm. the lack of um i don't know Decorum, subtlety maybe essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was fun but then we always get to understand more about her right she's silly she can sing and 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 it's funny because keely is floored by this which i think is fascinating dan because you can't really floor keely she is one that's up for everything um but yeah, Sassy is a good friend. She's there because she knows it would have been their anniversary. And even after six years of being gone, she is still showing up for her friend in time of need. Um, but there is some accountability and there is some kind of reckoning that goes on between them. Yeah, Sassy's line where she frames the fact that you know, Rebecca says, you know, God, that man took so much from me. And... Sassy just drops it like, yeah, Rupert is horrible and built the ivory tower that he kept you captive in. But like you climbed every single step of that tower on your own. You're the one who stopped coming home. Stop calling. Made a six-year-old girl wonder what she had done wrong. Always be your biggest defender, but you have to own the part that you played. It is a absolute mic drop type of moment from her to really put it back on Rebecca. Again, we talked last episode about, you know, that Jamie Tart got the mirror held up you know, by Keely, and now Sassy is holding the mirror up for Rebecca to take a look in at Nick that, you know, really that she is to blame for, that she has to take ownership for the, the what she can, could have controlled. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the main themes of this show, whether in season one or season two, and I put good money, it's going to be in season three as well, which is accountability. Like, this is a moment of accountability. Own up to it. Just say it, right? And you know, Rebecca is seen as this like incredibly powerful character who you can't question or or give shit to, except if you're Keely, really. Uh, but Sassy has no issue kicking down that door. Uh, like this is this is a friend from a long time ago. She knew Rebecca before she was this version of Rebecca, right? And so I, I think you know you need friends like that, Brandon. You need friends who are going to check you when when you need it. You know, the most and this is one of those moments always because of relationship let's be honest <laughs> so uh we fast forward to infamous karaoke scene again after the match the celebrations they were always going to go to a karaoke bar uh the whole team is there and we are excited to see that uh, rebecca and crew are there as well um sam singing wonderwall by oasis uh beard singing bad romance by lady gaga and then 
Rebecca with Let It Go from Frozen. Uh, the whole team is shocked into silence. Uh, favorite parts are the facial expressions to her singing. Isaac, Keeley, Beard, Roy, everybody just blown away. And I believe the actress, uh, Hannah. Hannah Waddingham. Yep. That's her. She can yep. sing. Yep. Yeah, she's she's like a classically trained um, Broadway uh, actor who who has the chops to to go with it, and you know it, there there are little excerpts and and clips out there, Dan, of of rehearsal uh, for this show where you get to see her just kind of open up uh, her her vocal range, and it's incredibly impressive. This was no joke uh, because I don't think that anybody knew this was coming, <laughs> and so when you saw this episode for the first time, I. I you know, I firmly remember where I was going, holy shit, like this is really impressive. Well, not just Broadway, but also London's famous West End as well. That, from, that's uh, a that's a better yes, as well. Yes, a better. A better yeah, well, film. she's done both. Uh, Spam a lot uh, in, into the woods, a bunch of other ones in terms of uh, what she's had a chance to uh, in terms of her stage career uh, is absolutely, uh, you know, well documented. Uh, but yeah, she uh, she blows the roof off of the place with her rendition. I, I love that you get Roy lip syncing to it. Uh, and again, this is, I think, the nod to his relationship with Phoebe, where he knows all the words to this song because he's w probably watched that movie a thousand times <laughs> with her over the years. And, you know, I think it's just like, again, you're starting to get little windows into who these people really are. Yeah, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, as Rebecca is singing, Ted experiences a panic attack. His hands start tingling, high-pitched whistles, enters the soundscape. And really, this is pretty accurate based on what sufferers claim to have experienced. They they went for the real uh, experience to kind of like put it in perspective for everybody. He stumbles out of the club and sits down on the sidewalk. He's having trouble breathing, um, you know, normally. And then, of all people, Rebecca is the one to kind of come out and recognize that he's having this issue and and, and helps him, helps him snap out of it. Uh, and you wonder if she handled it so well, if she's experienced this on her own um, or someone close to her. So, thankfully, Ted just recovers and said he's going to head back to the hotel. And for the first time, Rebecca sees that he's not perfect and he's a bit broken, too. And the question that really hits home um, Nick is when he asks her very vulnerably, am I going crazy? No more than anyone else. And that is the, uh, you know, it's the right Perfect. answer. We'll touch on, Perfect. yeah, we'll, 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 we'll touch on this in the main theme section. Cause I, I definitely have thoughts about this, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it does make you wonder, you know, because it, everything in TV time happens so quickly, Dan, for her to be singing and to see him visibly shaken, leave the room, stumble out, you know, through this like packed club, you know, light sounds everywhere. You know, it has to be like about the worst place you could have a panic attack. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, he was uh, set up for success there to have that be the breakdown location. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, if this is a it's a good realization about how Ted is being impacted by all of these stressors mm -hmm. and to finally see the way that it you know, is how it's bubbling up effectively. How is it surfacing because he's been holding it together, but we've started to see a little bit of the breaks, a little bit of the cracks over the last couple episodes. And this is kind of where we end up in, in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not it. The episode ends with love interests. 
The team heads out for more fun at the pub, but Keely and Roy take a romantic walk back to the hotel before making their interest in each other official. Roy rather awkwardly uh, kind of storms off, leaving Keely a bit confused. Rebecca ends up with the waiter from the restaurant and a one-night stand. Uh, Ted walks home and signs his divorce papers with the protection of Henry's army man at his side. Right before Sassy knocks on his door to come in and presumably sleep with him. The music to end this episode is Killer. Strange by Celeste. Awesome choice to sum up the mood. And um, they left us with a lot hanging, Nick. Yeah. I, again, emotional arc, right? There's so much that happens in 32 minutes of TV here. But I think the ending definitely leaves you on the upswing, Dan. You know, it doesn't leave you where, where Ted's having a panic attack and then hard close, you know, to the next episode. You, you get to see a little bit of the the bounce back, which I think you, you definitely need after all that uh, sort of uh, twisted emotion. Yeah, it would have been not uncommon to have that be the ending for an episode where he goes outside and then like the, it's a hard cut to the next see, you know, the next episode where like Rebecca would be like coming out to help him. Like that is something that could have happened in, uh, in other shows. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's nice that, uh, you're not left hanging, on, uh, on, is he okay? Which, uh, you know, for, uh, yeah, that, that, that could be a little bit of a concern. All right. Well, we're going to take our last ad break. When we get back main theme crown and anchor pub trivia with winner, winner football dinner. We'll be right back. All right, well, main theme, panic at the disco. While we've noted little moments throughout the first six episodes where Ted's hands and a high-pitched squeal give away that something bad might happen, this episode took it to the next level with a full-blown panic attack. It's pretty obviously connected to his divorce. So now we've seen another side of Ted, one that is riddled with anxiety and trauma that manifests itself into panic attacks. It's the beginning of a journey to learn to control it. Yeah, I I did want to call this out because, you know, framing this episode in context is super important. Um, This episode came out during a time where mental health was the topic of conversation during the first phase of the pandemic. And I think there are a lot of people feeling disconnected, isolated, you know, anxiety riddled. And to see a panic attack on TV is not it wasn't necessarily new, but the way that they dealt with the panic attack by showing humanity and not playing up whether someone's going crazy or not. They actually played it down. Uh, I think Dan, to me, this, this unintentionally, because they shot this before the pandemic, right? This, this came out as a product of, of, you know, the, the pre pandemic shoot, but it and unintentionally mirrored a lot of the anxiety in society at that point. And uh, I think, helped people overcome or see someone overcome a panic attack in a way that made sense. Like there were a lot of mental health professionals. Brene Brown wrote about this. Like there are a lot of really great articles that said like, wow, this is a step forward for people with anxiety, not a step backwards. And so I just, I I think it's a beautiful thing and I don't, they couldn't have predicted what this situation was going to be that they released this episode in, but it was, it was really, really great. Yeah, in the way that they were able to put you in the space of experience and bring you close to the reality of that moment and, you know, get you as close as you could to either seeing it or potentially even 
now uh, reflecting back to maybe experiences other people have had in terms of times of crisis and you know the way that they needed to process through difficult, tough situations and uh, that kind of feeling of loneliness, feeling this feeling of being isolated even while around people um, is. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it definitely struck a chord, uh, and I thought it was a really, really, really well put together, you know, classification of uh, kind of just how pe- how people go through this type of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Crown and Anchor Pub trivia up next. Weird questions and observations from the man himself. Uh, what'd you catch, Nick? Well, the first one should be pretty obvious, so I'm going to start you off with a softball. But how many times has Coach Beard, quote unquote, torn his butt, i.e., hamstring? Um, there's a very specific number attached here. Uh, and the second question, while Ted is looking for a fax machine, a fax machine, where does the concierge direct him to go? It's a very specific place, uh, very far away Eight miles. from where they are. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, third, where has Isaac shipped hotel furniture before? He is the culprit that, that gets kind of Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, number four, which Van Halen lead singer represents 5150 to Ted? Uh, this is a very specific call out uh, in the in the post David Lee Roth era. And then number five, what city is Zoro from? Uh, maybe Dan struggled with this earlier in the episode. We don't know because we cut it out. But uh, just letting everyone know that that happened. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, hit us up at Pod Underdogs with answers. Uh, but any surprises, Dan, from this episode, which you could just say the whole thing. You could. Um, the fact that uh, they they made the uh, you know you know Everton really really that that's the bogey team. I mean, I guess I guess that could be the case. Sixty years though, that's a really that's a really really long time to not get a win in a location against one team. I, you know, but if you're not in the same league a lot, then it can happen, right? Like, when's the last time our Chelsea lost to, like, an Oldham or Swindon Town or something, right? Like, it might be six years because you've never played them. All right, anyways, yeah. that's fair. Nick? I, I think uh, the alcohol combined with anxiety thing, it not a surprise, but I think the way that they showed that evolution right there are a couple of instances where that kind of creeps up on ted in this one uh it is a really savvy way to kind of put someone's brain in a in a state of dysfunction um and so i i think that was that was a really maybe not a surprise but i think it was really uh well done savvy yeah no that's all good stuff um so uh winner winner of football dinner uh who won the episode i mean this is tough so many people with so many things going on in this episode um dan you had rebecca of all people um i think nick you had roy maybe sassy i'm interested like those are all very different options essentially can can we can we pitch you again on on why for sure and why we're why we're there uh yeah i think if i had to pick between my two i i would i would go with sassy um because uh, one super strong character entrance and for only having like five or seven minutes on screen. She does a hell of a lot of damage, right? She she meets Ted, uh, has a few jokes. She completely, you know, as Dan referenced earlier, holds the mirror up to Rebecca to, 
you know, maybe begin to turn the tide a little bit on that character's arc. And, uh, you know, again, in an episode that is really emotionally anxiety uh, driven is a point of levity in, in the in the midst of all that chaos. And so I I would give it to Sassy. Dan, you have Rebecca. Please give your retort. Look, um, no. No issue with, with with Sassy. I think you know, uh, super sub type of performance from her in terms of uh, getting on for the last uh, ten minutes or so and to uh, to assist or, or contribute to the uh, the overall victory. Um, you know, I think Re- Rebecca has to have the emotional growth and the fact that she comforted uh, Ted and was willing to allow herself to open up and to, uh, you know, not allow her desire to ruin this football club, to allow her to continue to destroy these interpersonal relationships. So we got to see growth. We got to see uh, the, you know, the, the song performance too, you know, belting it out on stage, right? You know, oh, look, yeah. Frozen and Let It Go may not be everybody's uh, favorite movie or song or a song from a movie, but killed it, killed it, knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's tough. It is tough. I don't know. I mean, I get your, I get the, the the limited minutes impact. I mean, she was powerful, right, in those different things. Um, I think I will edge it to Rebecca because this is the first time where I think we really saw her support so many other people within the show, and I think that her uh, working with Ted was amazing. I think she also is kind of giving over some of her trauma as well and kind of reclaiming. Um, you know, her life post Rupert, to be fair, I think she needed sassy to kind of like shake it free out of her and, and, and bring her back to, to clarity. But, um, you know, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca for the win. Yeah. All right. Well, so she's two, two wins. Now. Yeah. She is, uh, in second place firmly. Uh, Keely is the only other, uh, character so far with a win so uh we're gonna see plenty of episodes left in this season to kind of see what might shake out but that's it for this episode of the underdogs again please connect us at pod underdogs on social media uh continue the conversation if you'd be so kind take a few seconds leave a five-star review at apple podcast or spotify it really does help us so anyways a free way to say thanks we appreciate you all we'll be back with the next episode of ted lasso (laughs) 